0: What's going on, everybody? I hope everyone is having a great Tuesday morning, and welcome to WSUM ninety one point seven FM Student Radio. Today, I'm here to run it back with Clint Leal to discuss the hottest topics going on around the NBA. How you doing today, Clint?
1: I'm doing great, man. Super excited to be here. There's so much to talk about with the All Star break coming up and all the playoff picture kind of getting into shape. I'm excited, man.
0: Yeah, it should be it uh, should be a good day to talk about some NBA. So first off, I want to discuss the Lakers. Right now they're sitting at ninth in the West, and they're three games below 500. What is going on with this team, and can they turn it around?
1: So the problem with the Lakers, it's about fit. They have talent that is kind of dealing with age issues right now, and like that, that's part of their defensive struggles. They don't have guys who are just really gonna hustle and die for loose balls at this point. And so the, what I, what advice I'd give to the Lakers is I think they have to give Malik Monk more touches. Now that AD is back, we want to see the version of him from the. 2020 playoffs where he was arguably the best player in the league at that point, just within that span of time. And I like what LeBron's doing. He's been consistent. He's added a jumper to compensate for his declining athleticism. What I think about the Russ thing is that he's, his contract is pretty tough. He can't really be moved. He's going to have to stick with the team unless they find some sort of miracle to get him off. So if, with that being said, I think he needs to prove his worth as a, as a sixth man.
0: Yeah, I definitely agree with those takes. And to be honest, we're what, like 45, 46 games into the season. Yep. And I feel like the Lakers have shown us who they are. Like right now, they're 24th in offense and 18th in defense. And Frank Vogel is a defensive-minded coach. So that's nothing to like be proud of. And like you said, this roster, besides LeBron and AD, was constructed with players that are past their prime. I know that Frank Vogel is in hot water right now, but I don't really think this is on him. And what makes the situation even tougher is that the Lakers don't have a lot of options to make any changes because who's going to take on Russell Westbrook's
1: contract? Exactly. Like nope. $46 million for like a walking negative five turnovers every single time he's I know. on the floor. You know, it's tough.
0: So they have two pieces right now. They have Kendrick Nunn and THT. In terms of picks, right. this is something that people need to understand because of the Pelicans trade, which then got routed to the Grizzlies. They don't own in 2022. The Grizzlies mm. do. And you can't trade consecutive years with without owning a pick, so they can't trade in 2023. And the Pelicans have the option to defer in 2024 to 2025, which means that the Lakers technically can't trade a 2026 first-round pick either. So the only first-round pick they could trade is, what, 2027? So it's like a sixth grader. And with T H E as an option or Kendrick Nunn, who hasn't stepped on the court, I don't really know what they could do with that. Like, I, I don't think they could turn that into Jeremy Grant. I really. I, don't. I
1: think, I think what they'd have to do, if, if Russ isn't going to put his ego aside and be willing to take a limited role and try to come up as a sixth man, I think they're just going to have to, like, um, send him over to some, like, um, bottom feeder team and get, like, three, like— Um, three expensive contracts from, like, aging veterans or, like, some people that, you know, maybe are overpaid but can add some sort of value to the Lakers because Russ is subtracting value from the Lakers, and you don't want that, especially when he's, like, always a headline and always a talking point after the games. Like, it's wearing, you could see it's, like, wearing on the Lakers where they always have to answer questions for him because he's incapable of owning up to his faults. And so, like, they really have to figure that out. Yeah, that's pretty much what I have to say. About yeah, that.
0: I definitely agree with that. And also with the Lakers, I just feel like they need like a stretch five. They need someone to like yeah. stretch the floor because like Dwight Howard and DJ, are. I mean, Dwight Howard, not so much, but DJ I think is honestly useless for them right now. Like he's just rotting on the bench.
1: I agree. I, th- I think that actually LeBron brought this point up a little while ago. He said um, that um, sp- spacing can uh, take place in two different ways. Like spacing is in three-point spacers, right? And vertical spacers. And for LeBron... When he drives, he's he's a threat not just because he can score but because he can pass. And so the lob threat with vertical spacing to Dwight and DJ is kind of what drew – that's what that's what kind of drew his eye and why he basically hand-selected them to be on the roster. But now he now he's realizing that they're defensive liabilities and, like, the five-out offenses that they have to defend because they're just not quick enough, really. And, like, the help defense, the coordination is not really there. The motivation is not really there because there's not really a team identity yet. And I think you mentioned earlier about um, – about the coach kind of just being the scapegoat of all this. I think that's tough. Um, I really I really think that uh, it's about roster construction. And it's not really the coach's issue. I know he's a defensive coach and they're struggling defensively, but it's more just about like the players that he has to work with.
0: Yeah, I definitely agree with that. And like you said, because in today's game, it's very guard oriented. It's very five out. No one really plays in the paint anymore. Like 10 years ago, this would have been an amazing roster. Yep. Besides, like, the prime and all that stuff aside, because, like, DJ and Dwight are, are amazing rim protectors, but the thing is such a guard-oriented game now, and if you get, a like, a switch in the pick-and-roll, I mean, they're screwed because DJ can't defend the perimeter, and then a guard would be guarding a big, and it's just like... It's just like pick yeah. your poison from there. Hey,
1: hey I got to say something here. This actually makes me laugh because uh, the media has been talking about LeBron as playing center. I only see that for the tip-off. I really only see it for the tip-off. <laughs> Maybe um, they, he's, the, he's the tallest guy. He's the biggest guy on offense for the Lakers, so you can consider him a five, and he rolls to the basket and gets some easy dunks. That's great. But on defense, he's not really guarding the best player. It was funny. In the Indiana game, uh, he let Carmelo Anthony, of all people, guard DeMontis the bonus, and it was just – it was – Cake. It was yeah.
0: Cake. It was barbecue chicken, yeah, as exactly. uh, Shaq would say. But the thing is, I think, I don't know if the Lakers can turn around because right now they are not a contender, but they could definitely make the playoffs because of LeBron James. I mean, LeBron is single handedly like keeping this team afloat. I mean, AD's had some, he's like just come back. He's had some good games, but LeBron's the only one that's like really keeping this team relevant and like in the playoff hunt, which is actually insane to say. A LeBron led team in the playoff hunt, especially with this roster, but. I real, I think they can turn around. They just need to get they should get some solid role players like at the trade deadline, and also maybe get like a stretch five. Get rid yeah. of DJ. Get younger. They need I to agree. get younger. I agree.
1: I think I think K none could really be a valuable asset when he comes back. I could see him taking the starting point guard spot, and then that's when Russ is the is a sixth man and like brings energy. You know, if he can. I remember uh, I was I'm writing an article about him right now, and apparently he was like the Pac-10, uh, Pac-12, whatever defensive player of the year in college. And it's like, when has he done anything similar to that? In the NBA. I feel like he can channel some sort of energy and be a two way player. And I love to see it. I think Yeah, I mean, really.
0: Russ in his prime was a great two way player. Right now he's he doesn't really look locked in on defense. A lot of these guys don't really look locked in on defense based on the eye test. Besides, I mean A D plays defense as well. But I just feel like a Frank Vogel led team, I mean, when they were like when the Lakers like two years ago, they were the best defensive team in the league. Right. And now they've totally fallen off. I understand they've gotten older and they've lost Caruso and Casey. It's very
1: much an AD problem because AD was literally the best defender in the league in 2020. And in those playoffs, yeah. his he should have won Defensive Player of the Year. He, he was got the robbed. most versatile yeah. like defender that you could ask for. He can guard any position, and he just was, was impacting everybody. You see it in the Heat series; like nobody yeah. could really, you know, want him to score up against him. So the thing, the problem is that everybody's giving uh, AD, like, trouble because he's, like, fragile. He's made of glass. Like, Charles Barkley is, like, calling him day-to-day Davis, (laughs) which is kind of like, you know, you can't blame him. He's just getting injured. But when he gets healthy, I I think the Lakers can be a problem. Oh, absolutely. It's really AD's team. It's going to be AD's team if he gets healthy. Oh, totally. And, like, if I'm, like, a top seed, like the
0: Suns or, like, the Warriors, I would not want to see them in the playoffs because that's a tough first-round matchup. Like, you do not want to see LeBron in the playoffs. I I mean, yeah.
1: I mean, the Lakers and LeBron, they could always buy a few wins, you know, just because, you know, the NBA really likes to see them, you know, move up.
0: Very true. But overall, I think the Lakers are struggling right now, but I do agree that they can turn around. They just got to make some moves and uh, get younger. Yeah. And now I kind of want to switch gears and talk about the Splash Bros reunited. Clay is back. The Warriors are on fire. Steph finally got out of his slump against Houston. Dropped 19 in the fourth. Dropped 40. Had what seven threes? Yeah.
1: Just Steph being Steph. i love to see it.
0: I got to ask, how far can these can this Warriors team go?
1: The Warriors are looking great, and I do want to say something about Steph's slump. Steph is a great player. But I feel like Draymond Green is the key to that team. Draymond Green is the glue that brings the defense to transition to offense and finds open shooters. Without him over this 10-game stretch, it is perfectly coincided with Steph Curry's shooting woes. And I think when Draymond gets back and the big three is fully intact, I think it's just going to be a problem. Because then you're going to have one guy orchestrating the offense, finding either Clay, uh, Curry, Poole, Andrew Wiggins on a cut, Gary Payton on a cut. It's just like they're so deadly from so many different spots and they have a bunch of guards who can like size up with people. Like Gary Payton is honestly one of my favorite players right now cuz I see this guy he's like 6 foot 4 and he's guarding centers and he's, he's holding his own and it was amazing. Uh he, they played the Suns so I did this uh this defensive metric for that game and he held Devin Booker to 2 for 13. When he was, when Gary Payton was guarding Devin Booker, he basically won six points by taking six points away from Devin Booker. That's how good of a defender he is. Their team is just so deep right now. I think they're like they're lock to be um, in the Western Conference Finals unless something happens because injuries can happen.
0: Yeah, um, I'm not much of a hooper, but when I do hoop, I pride myself on defense. And let's just say for GP2, the apple didn't fall far from the tree. I mean, this guy is locked down, and I swear after every basket, after every made basket. This guy's guarding full court. It's amazing to see. Like, I just love his grit. And he's been bouncing around the league, but I truly think he's found a home with Golden State. And also, let's talk about Andrew Wiggins, Maple Jordan, finally making an all-star. I mean, he's a starter, too, and it's well-deserved. He's had a great season. The Warriors are back, and it's so good to see. And like you said, Draymond really is the glue that holds that team together. Sure, he doesn't put up, like, a crazy stat line. He's got, like, the triple-single jokes going or whatever, but he's a super valuable member of that basketball team. I mean, he makes the small ball happen. He's one of the most versatile defenders in the league too. He can guard one through five. And like you said, I with Steph's shooting slump, I totally agree with you on that. Because like they're playing much more ISO ball now. But when Draymond's back, there's a lot more movement, a lot more motion. And honestly, Steph's like most underrated attribute is his off ball movement. Yeah. He's so dangerous off the ball. Like he never, never, ever stops moving and um when drayon gets back in the lineup they'll be back and also clay's been heating up lately especially gets the brooklyn nets game that was sweet yeah, where he um, yeah we like a dagger back. three and he's getting his confidence back that's all that it's about because when you miss basketball for two years i mean you're gonna have the butterflies
1: yeah. like, i don't care who you are yeah this is like perfect timing for the warriors because now like they're at this midseason stretch where a lot of teams are kind of deciding if they want to push or if they want to just kind of relax but the warriors are just like Let's get our fit down. Let's get Clay integrated back into the system so that we can be ready come April, come May and be ready to make a run. And I'm really excited to see what they do. And we got to mention that Draymond Green is arguably the defensive player of the year. It seems like among analysts like, you know, Richard Jefferson, uh, Malika Andrews, they all point to uh to Draymond Green as their favorite to win the defensive player of the year. Absolutely. You know. It's he's really just going to change what they do on both ends and I'm excited to see them at full strength. Like they 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 can take anybody.
0: Oh, absolutely. And I think I mean, yeah, I think Draymond is the defensive player of the year. If Bam Adebayo was healthy the whole year, I think it'd be a different story as well because he's so versatile as well. He's scary.
1: He'd have been slept on mighty. They're like the number one seed in the East right now, not being talked about. Jimmy Butler,
0: never doubt that guy. I mean, you guys just don't, like people don't understand. You do not doubt Jimmy Butler.
1: He's a two-way talent. He's the closest thing to Kawhi that's playing right now.
0: Absolutely. And I really do think the Warriors can go far. I honestly could see them winning it all. And they're like you said, like they're so comfortable with their roster. I really don't even think they're gonna make any moves at the deadline. I really yeah, don't. They don't need to. Yeah, February tenth, the phone is gonna not be ringing for that. Yeah,
1: they're all com- they're all getting comfortable. The chemistry's building, and it's just beautiful to see it. I think um, the good thing about that two year spill where they just weren't really having any, they, they didn't really make the playoffs. You know, they they were a fifteen win team one season, then lost in the play in. Um, What ended up happening there is like the young players were able to get more of a role while the stars were out and, you know, injured or resting. And it really allowed everybody to kind of like gain confidence in themselves to, you know, just become better players individually. And when they came together, you know, and everybody kind of knew the role, that's like you love to see it.
0: Yeah, that's awesome. Um, Just good to see the Warriors back. That's what I got to say about that. And now I want to talk about another team in the West, Phoenix Suns. They're having quietly an amazing season. They're 40-9. and nine. Chris Paul is ageless. Honestly, one of my favorite point guards of all time. So I got to ask you, are they a legit contender?
1: Oh, easily. They, they, I think they are the biggest threat to take down the Warriors besides maybe the Grizzlies. I don't think anybody in the East. I think the East, Um, I mean, there's some promising teams in the East, but I just think the the top tier of the West is just like, they just have all, all their things together and they just seem yeah. like more complete teams to me. The Suns, like, uh, the thing is, like everybody's paying attention to like LeBron and all these like age, um, like these age marks, benchmarks and stuff. But CP three is doing the same thing. And when we look at CP three stat line, we're kind of like confused on where his impact comes from because we see fifteen points per game. That's not that much, right? But what if I told you that he assists on twenty five points per game, which leads the league. He creates about forty points per game for the Suns. He's the, he's their leader offensively. Devin Booker is a great guy come crunch time because he can just iso and kind of you know, ISO, shimmy, do a little hezzy, and then find the bottom of the net. And that's that's like a perfect complement to CP three. And like what they do, like their pick and rolls are just unstoppable because CP three is always going to use ayton's role to draw defensive attention and then find like find a nice mid range spot to pull up. And he's I think shooting like fifty two percent, which is like the best among guards that shoot at such a high rate. It's like they really just have their identity figured out. And I think like those top teams in the West are figuring it out just like the Grizzlies. They're all like Hitting the stride at the same time.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And like, like you said, talking about Chris Paul in the pick and roll is so dangerous. Look at Bismack Biyombo. This guy was like out of the league. The Suns sign <laughs> him, and he's putting up like fourteen and fourteen with so like four right. blocks. So right. I mean, he could literally make any center look like an all star. Look at Clint Capella. I mean, he had his best years with CP three. He makes when, everybody better. And then when Russ got there, look what happened. He got traded midway through the season.
1: Yeah, CP three is like has all the skill that Russ wish he, wish he had. You know.
0: Yeah, he's a true point guard and. I mean, the things he's doing with Devin Booker, imagine what he could have done with Kobe if the Lakers trade went through. Yeah. And he's not –
1: and Chris Paul is not even
0: in his prime anymore.
1: Honestly, I feel like it's – yeah, he's not in his physical prime, but his, like, intellectual and IQ prime is, like, just getting there. You know what I'm saying? He like, just knows
0: how to manipulate the game. That's what yeah, makes him so dangerous. He's still a
1: big impact player. I'd say he's arguably, like he's, – he's definitely a top five – I think he's a top five point guard easy right now. Yeah. And this is a guy who's 37 years old, you know he doesn't really have much to prove. I know a lot of people want him to win a championship, but I think on Draymond Green's podcast, I love the Draymond Green's podcasting, by the way. That's yeah, Draymond's
0: got, Draymond's got a future in this business, for sure. Him and J.J., J.J. is awesome as well. When he was on first take, when he was yeah. analyzing the Lakers, it was just poetry. Right, emerging. right.
1: But Dre had mentioned that, like, um, no matter what anybody says, the players, the real basketball players out there know that CP3 is a winner. Just because just he doesn't have a title doesn't mean he's not a winner. He's done, like, He's made every single team he's been on better by like at least like 15 games. And it's just it just shows when you see him play.
0: And, and especially in the like in the twilight of his career as well. I mean, okay, when he went to OKC, they were projected to be like the 13th seed, 12th seed. They make the playoffs. Phoenix was an irrelevant franchise for the last 10 years without Steve Nash. And boom, they make the finals. Yeah. Like everywhere he goes, he wins. And that's same with Jimmy Butler as well. They yeah. just have that effect.
1: It's amazing to see. It's amazing to see. Yeah, it truly, truly yeah, is. Yeah, wait, we, we should also mention that they had some like all-star snubs. If you think about this, I, I have to bring this up from two different areas. So I think about the all-star selection, and then I think about NBA 2K ratings. Hear me out here. Hear me out. So the, the Suns are a 41 team, um, the best team in the league pretty much by far at this point. And on NBA 2K, their highest rated guy is a 90 overall and then 89 overall. D-Book 90, Chris Paul 89. It's just like I don't know how they're, I think, portrayed in the media and also video games is just kind of incredible to me. Like, they're just not really given the time because I feel like they're, like... I think Devin Booker could definitely be a star and there's potential to, like, play on that and the, the comparisons to Kobe. But people um, in the media don't really... They're not as attractive as, uh, I don't know, a topic as, like, the Warriors are right now just because of their personnel and the history, I would say. and they just, they just didn't get those uh, D-Book um, and Chris Paul... Um, weren't all-star starters, which I think um, is maybe not a reflection of the voters. I think it's a reflection on the voting process where it's positionally ranked where you have only forwards and guards as two guards, three forwards. Andrew Wiggins is a great player. I think He's great, but I just don't think he's a starter, and I think either one of those guards could have been voted in.
0: Yeah, definitely. Who's the starting shooting guard in the West?
1: In the West? Yeah. Ooh, I think uh, it's well, John Moran or Steph Curry, honestly. Oh, yeah, that one.
0: backcourt. I mean, I can't really argue with that. I mean, they could have put D. Book at the three, but he's not a true three. Wiggins is a true three.
1: Yeah, I mean, how about Donovan Mitchell though? You know, he's being slept on the Jazz market. Like people, there's just no love for small markets in the I NBA told, media. Dude, it's no that's love. how it always is. But it's Ja tough. I think Ja is definitely deserving of the starting spot. Yeah, Jaw is amazing. He's a breakout. This guy is here to stay. I I just hope that he can like he can stay injury You know, stay injury uh, injury free. Yeah, exactly.
0: Yeah, shout out Zion Williamson right there. Oh yeah. Um,
1: Oof a toughie there
0: yeah uh, but like talking about like young guys i want to talk about the rookie of the year race
1: evan mobley has just been awesome this season yeah mobley is a two-way monster this guy is so versatile and his potential is through them is through the roof it's like he is the build of kd and the athleticism to just guard pretty much any position it's it's honestly amazing um i'm really excited to see what he's going to do over the next few years and i think the Cavs have really, like, changed my mind about them as an organization. They didn't have to just rely on LeBron. They figured out how to win without him. They have guys like Darius Garland, and they have this very interesting uh, lineup where they have, like, th- what is it, three players above seven feet? Yeah,
0: it's uh, Markkanen, Mobley, and Jarrett Allen, who's having a monster season. Slept on.
1: N- Nets are regretting that one, right?
0: Oh, definitely. I mean, well, at the end of the day, they did get James Harden. Yeah. Even though he's probably going to leave. But if you got it, if you have a chance to get a generational talent like Harden, one of the greatest scores of all time, you got to pull the trigger.
1: Yeah, they for knew sure.
0: Jared Allen was going to turn into something, but you got you got to do that.
1: Yeah, yeah. Let's let's definitely let's talk about that in just a minute. But I want to uh, keep talking about this uh, rookie of the year race. So besides Mobley, I think we got to pay attention to Scottie Barnes. I know he's playing for the Raptors, and the Raptors haven't really been in that, that many talks in the media because they're not really a playoff team or a contender. They're just kind of there. But their potential is really there. They got a lot of young guys, with Fred VanVleet. But Scotty Barnes, when I watch his game, his like his length, athleticism is very similar to Mobley. And I'd give him the player comp to Kawhi Leonard. Absolutely. You know, he's just a two, he's a two way monster as well, and that's like it's just great to see.
0: He's what OG and OB wants to be.
1: Yeah, definitely, definitely there. And I would say uh, a few other guys that should be mentioned in that race besides uh, Cade Cunningham, which I will mention in a bit. Is uh, Chris Duarte, uh, Josh Giddey, and uh, Davion Mitchell. Those guys are just making an impact, and th- they're guys that I think are here to stay. I, I-, I wouldn't be surprised if any of those guys are all stars come like five years from now. And uh, the guy, um, the th- the th- the, b- the main topic heading into this year in regards to rookies was Cade Cunningham versus Jalen Green, and I think so far we've seen Cade Cunningham is winning that out because like he he's found a role in Detroit, and I feel like he's like. He's finally finding his spots. He's making the right decisions. But Jalen Green is really struggling because Houston's roster construction is really tough. Um, And I think Jalen Green is like he is the worst plus minus in the league. He's minus 13 whenever he's on the floor, which is a really tough look for him.
0: Yeah, absolutely. With Jalen Green, he started out hot, but he's really cooled down. It's kind of been the opposite for Cade because Cade started off cold because he was coming off injury. But then he's really started to heat up. I don't think Cade's going to win it, though. Just because I think Mobley's having, a like, a better year. And also the Cavs are in the playoffs. Agreed. And the Pistons are irrelevant this year. Yeah, yeah. Also, another person I want to talk about for Rookie of the Year, he probably won't win it, is Franz Wagner. Yeah, man. He's having an unbelievable year. He's a future All-Star for Slept sure. on. Yeah. I mean, I know he's on the Magic, and I know he's putting up garbage stats, but he's – like, those European players are tough, man. Yeah. They just know how to play the game. They're not the most athletic guys, but they're just so, like – They just know how to play the game the right way. They know how to get to their spots. Yeah, it's just a it's a natural thing for those guys, for sure.
1: Yeah, definitely.
0: But now I kind of want to talk about the trade deadline because Ben Simmons. What's going on with this guy? Can the Sixers move him?
1: Oh, that's that's really tough. I feel like the only person who could really answer that is Daryl Moore because he has some sort of master plan. You know him; he's kind of he's a magician. He's always got tricks up his sleeve. Yeah, Yeah. he's he's an analytics guru. I feel like he kind of has some plan figured out. It's it's very interesting. There's a lot of speculation in the media right now about um, Ben Simmons and Harden because it seems like uh, the Sixers have a really high asking price for um, their trade of Simmons. They want um, they want so much and are you know from these other teams like the Kings. Uh, I think they asked they asked a lot of the Kings and the Kings just backed out. They're like we can't give you what you want. This guy has this guy Simmons hasn't really proven uh, what you think he is. And I think maybe this is uh, I'm not really sure what this is. Um, I feel like what could likely happen is he's just going to hold out on Simmons and then uh, I guess like get uh, Harden free agency. That's the goal here. But I don't really know how it's all going to work out. Like, what are your thoughts on that?
0: Yeah, no, I definitely see that playing out. But if he's just going to stick around with Simmons, how can they acquire Harden with Simmons' contract? They'd have to get, they'd have to dump Simmons for like practically nothing because, like his stock is so low right now. At one point, this guy was in trade talks, trade talks for Harden, and now they won't, even, the Hawks won't even bite on him for John Collins. Like yeah. it's crazy to me how much he's fallen off.
1: I think I think what we have to realize is that um, there's a different level of knowledge between insiders in the NBA and general managers than the general public. Because I feel like the general public just sees uh, Ben Simmons as a guy who can't shoot jumpers, but GMs really know that he's one of the best defensive players in the league. He's only 26 years old and he, he has room to grow. It's just, it's just a matter of, it's just a matter it's of, it's a matter of fit. Yeah. And, w- and will he learn to, will he learn to shoot? That, that's the biggest question mark. If he had that, you know, what, what is the ceiling?
0: Oh, his ceiling is, I mean, LeBron James. Like, I've heard that comparison, but it's actually true, though. Like, it it's, literally is. It's
1: very valid. He's just missing that one piece because spacing is the biggest part of this game. And when you're a player that doesn't have that, I mean, you see what hap- You see what's happening with Russ right now. People are inviting him to shoot, and he just has no space to operate, no space to drive, kick out, because everybody wants him to take jumpers. And that's the problem that happened with Simmons, and that's why he, you know, just fell out of the games in the fourth quarter. Um, during that playoff run
0: yeah and he literally in that hawk series he forgot how to play basketball and obviously like the media has talked about the matisse stiebel dump off pass when he could have easily yammed it over trey young i feel like that was just like that just encapsulated his whole playoff series and just who he is as a player offensively in a half-court yeah. setting hey
1: side note i just got to say about matisse he is one of the most underrated defenders I've ever seen. Oh my god, he's! awesome. I did the metrics for him. He forces the like the highest percentage of turnovers by a, like by any margin. It's just it's amazing what he's doing. Um, when him and Embiid are together, like Matisse just like eliminates three point shooters, forces them to drive, and then it's Embiid's, to you know. And if he, he if, oh up. yeah,
0: if he develops an offensive game, he could oh, be it's a tough. scary it's player, tough, man.
1: He, he is like that Kawhi defensive impact. He just needs some you know something to go off of with him offensively, and then you know.
0: I mean, he shut down Steph Curry this year when Steph Curry was, like, trying to break his record in Philly. Yeah, He could have broke the record, but obviously Thibault had something to say about that. Yeah, that's just, like, says, like one down. example.
1: He does this—that's his job every single night is to shut down the best perimeter score, and he's done that. I feel like now that we're talking about free agency, we have to mention Dame and what's happening in Portland.
0: Yeah. So with Dame, honestly, the Blazers are—I think it's smart for them not to play him. Or like the fact that like I understand why he doesn't want to play because the Blazers aren't in the playoff hunt. So why would he waste those games when they know they're not going to win at all? So I think it's actually smart that they're letting like Anthony Simons kind of take the take the reins, right. or, like letting He's him really like, kind of do whatever he wants. Um, but yeah, I I don't really know what's going to happen with him. I really want to see him out of Portland because Dames, I mean, the clock is ticking on Dame. It's it's ticking on his prime, right. and I want him to go somewhere where he can actually have an impact and win a championship. It
1: really is. I think I think the problem with Dame is like he's such a great offensive player, but he really lacks defensively. And for the and Portland should have kind of seen this coming from a while back. When you pair Damian Lillard and CJ McCollum together, you have two defensive liabilities out there, and there's no you know there's no backstopper like Draymond Green on the Trailblazers who's going to help that. I know they they've tried. They got Roko they got other guys to try to fill that defensive void, but it just hasn't worked. So I think they have to ship one of those two guys. Um, it seems like Dame, at least in the public eye, he's saying, I want to stay, which kind of means that CJ has to go, but who's going to buy on CJ? Uh, that, that's that's a good question. I feel like there is value there, so I'm curious to see where he ends up. And you know, the trade deadline is approaching. What, we got like nine days? Like It's going to be one crazy week, you know?
0: It definitely is. I could see Philly potentially biting on that, but I know with Darren Morey, he wants to catch I mean, the biggest fish They already fish got out. Seth, though. Yeah, I know. They already got Seth. And with Darren Morey, he wants to catch the biggest fish. So I think he could wait to free agency and try and acquire James Harden. I think he definitely has a chance to, like, wheel him in there.
1: Frankly, I'm questioning whether they even need Harden because Harden has really been a shell of himself, and Tyrese Maxey is been popping off lately. I would say Tyrese Maxey is like he's a sneaky pick to be a top ten point guard right now.
0: I agree, but Harden with Embiid is just going to be so scary because one of Harden's underrated attributes, especially with the Nets now, is like he's really getting to show it off—is his passing ability. I mean, right. he's one. Of the, I think he's one of the best facilitators in oh, our game.
1: Amazing, dude! Remember that lob uh, in the Christmas game versus the Lakers? To yeah, Claxton. Ooh, yeah, to Claxton over LeBron. LeBron. Was that was the most well-placed ball I've seen yeah. for a while, man. It, it was. A, it's a work of art.
0: Yeah, I mean, he's he's an incredible talent. I just think with him and Embiid together, that's just like pick your
1: poison every night.
0: Because you either got to go out on Harden and defend the perimeter, or, or leave, and that's going to leave the paint wide open, and Embiid's just going to... he I mean, he's one of the most dominant players in our game.
1: Yeah, and I think it's going to be a great compliment too, because, <laughs> I mean, people don't really like Harden for this, but he does draw a lot of fouls, and Joel Embiid... It does draw a lot of confouls and he does it consistently because he's a physical bruiser and he's going to ISO on you until, you know, he gets that space and you got to foul him. So I think over this past 10 games, um, Joel Embiid's been averaging like 13 three throws a game. So when you pair that with James Harden, I feel like it's just going to be, it's going to be tough pick your poison, right?
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I want to finish off the show by talking about the MVP race. So right now I got to ask you, who is your MVP?
1: Okay. I've thought a lot about this. And after some careful, meticulous thought, I realized the MVP is Nicole Jokic, back-to-back. And I just got to say, right now, the Denver Nuggets are, I I believe, 28 and 21. They're like the sixth uh, seed in the West. And they're missing their second and third best offensive players. Best players, probably. And it's just because of this guy, Nicole Jokic, because he just reads the defense and he— I think there's a, his level of intelligence at the center position and his ability to pass, make the right reads, to be able to score on all three levels. And he holds his own defensively. He, he doesn't do well against guards, right? You'll see that in highlights. In the pick and roll, yeah. Yeah, right. But, but everywhere else, he's just dominant. I would say, arguably, he may be one of the best offensive centers, if not players, of all time. Absolutely. And he's only, what, 27?
0: Yeah, we've never seen a player like him at the center position.
1: Yeah, ever. The problem is the Denver Nuggets just aren't a marketable team. But wait until they get their guys back. Wait until Jamal Murray comes back and they hit their stride. I wouldn't. I. I have. You know, if they find the right strides, I could see them being a contender and even a champion within the next three years.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Jokic is a great pick, but I really don't see a guy like him from a small market winning two times in a row just because of how the media is and and how the GMs are and stuff like that. So right, I could right. honestly see I know he's been in a slump, but I could really see Steph Curry bringing home mm. his third MVP trophy, especially with the Warriors being so dominant this year and he's really had a dominant season as well and like they wouldn't be they wouldn't be the franchise they are without a guy like him.
1: Yo, I agree. I think that's definitely going to add to some of those all-time like goat narratives, greatest or even greatest of his time narratives when Steph gets another MVP. I feel like MVP MB- I feel like what Steph could really needs, I don't think he needs his MVP. I think he just needs to make a big splash in the playoffs and show that he's a clutch player because that's one thing I think he's missing from his resume. Like The other guys that I say, besides uh, Curry, that could be in that MVP conversation is Kevin Durant who has been amazing, but has just, uh, you know, caught the injury bug yep. recently.
0: Oh, if he wasn't injured, yeah, he definitely yeah. would be in it. He's been sure. dominant.
1: I-, I love to see what happens when he comes back and if he heats up and, you know, maybe maybe Kyrie gets vaccinated. Who knows? Maybe they just run the the big three that they should be playing with every game.
0: Yeah, it would be scary. Overall, it's been an awesome season and I can't wait for it to unfold.
1: Yeah, it's this, just this beautiful to watch, man.
0: Yeah. Well, thank you guys so much for tuning in to this segment of the pod
1: have a great rest of your day, and you um, got anything else to say, Quint? Nah, man. Um, well, actually, yeah, go Nuggets and go Jokic. I'm riding with them all the way. Let's go.
0: And uh, go Bulls. We're back, baby. Uh, DeRozan's the second coming of MJ. But, Peace yeah. out, you guys.
1: Peace.